You're listening to Tahlequah United Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to the podcast and connect with us online at TahlequahUMC.org. May you be blessed by the hearing and reading of Scripture and the meditation on the Word. Have a good day. Looked over as I was getting things ready and realized that, Sue Ann, I'd forgot to, to mention your joy. So I'm going to share it now before we, before we get into our sermon Will and Sue Ann Freeman, I'm looking to make sure there's no one more. Will and Sue Ann Freeman have the joy of their, thank you, Robert, have the joy of their 12th great-grandchild, eighth great-granddaughter, who was born on August the 3rd, weighing 7 pounds, 9 ounces, and her name is Hendrix Lily Dawn Guess. What a great joy. God of love, hear our prayer. Now, will you please pray with me? Almighty, loving, holy, and gracious God, I pray now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart give you the honor and you the glory. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. So today's Scripture reading will come from the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Hear these words. If I speak in tongues of human beings and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm a clanging gong or a clashing cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I know all the mysteries and everything else, And if I have such complete faith that I can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give away everything that I have and hand over my own body to feel good about what I've done, but I don't have love, I receive no benefit whatsoever. This is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So love is the medicine for the sickness of the world. So said noted psychiatrist Dr. Carl Menninger. He summarized his therapeutic psychiatrist approach this way. Love cures. It cures those who receive it, and it cures those who give it. Love truly, truly is good medicine. It has been said that the three most powerful words in the English language is, I love you. My birthday this year was right smack dab middle of camp. I went two weeks, as you all know, and boy, it was a crazy, crazy time. And and, and a a week before I left for the first week, my children and my husband were all saying, so what do you want to do for your birthday? What what are we going to do? And I said, you know what? We need to forget about it this year. I said, I'm going to be home for 48 hours, and there's no time. i got to do laundry. I want to watch Faith play softball. Let's let's just forget about it this year. Well, they didn't. And they they celebrated me the whole 48 hours I was home, even surprised me with my best friend from Oklahoma City for a lunch. I mean, it was just a great, great, great time. So... um, and during that time, I got lots of texts and lots of phone calls. 
and uh, Facebook wishes were just surmountable. I, I just felt so, so loved. But as I was, um, I had to go back on Sunday afternoon to, to camp. And if, some of you all know, Camp Egan, you just have, there is no reception. There's no reception for telephones out there with your cell phones. And um, I was busy, and so I just, you know, set it off to the side and thought, well, I'll get the rest of the text messages or phone mess voicemails later on. And I came back in Wednesday to help with a fundraiser. And I, as I, I got on top of the hill, my phone just went berserk with all these messages and all these, all these text messages. And uh, several of them were from the same person, Marshall McKinney. And he is the president of Kappa Sigma Fraternity. And he had left several voicemails and several, several text messages and said, hey, we want to celebrate you with your birthday and we have something for you and we need to know where you're at. Um, Lois, can you show that picture? And so he surprised me at the Wesley with a cake um, with a cross and flame on it. Now you would think, oh, a preacher gets a cake with a cross and flame on it all the time. That's my very first one, by the way. And I just, I just loved it. I just loved it. I was so proud of it. And, and I was so astounded. Because the reason I'm so astounded is because, yes, we have a great relationship, but, we don't have, but I don't see them in the summer, none of them. And they went above and beyond to make sure that I had this cake a card signed by them. He gathered all the ones that he could find that were still in town and a gift. And so I had tears in my eyes and I said, we got to take a picture together. And I said, uh, Lois, thank you. And I said, so, uh, I said, so can we, um, uh, what can I do for you? He said, nothing. He said, this was just what I wanted to do. He says, we'll talk in August about getting back in swing of things and, and our service projects and stuff, but nothing. I said, all right. And so he gets to the door. And the guys are all standing there, and, they, and they're walking out. And he stops, and he turns around. And he said, hey, hey, Mama Shanna, I got to tell you something. He said, you throw love around like it's candy. He said, but we want you to know. We want you to know right here and now that God loves you, and so do we. And he hugged me, and he walked out. Such is the power of love. I know that our society sometimes con confuses love with sex or with money or with gifts. And many people don't understand love and are even afraid of it because they've never seen it done well. But even with all of our counterfeits and even with all the misunderstanding and even in spite of the abuses committed in the name of love, it is still true that the world needs now sweet, sweet love. And not just the word love. We need the real thing. We need to see love and to hear it and to feel it and to experience it in our lives. And we need to know how to pass it along to others. In order to help us to that, we're beginning a short series this week. I get to preach three weeks starting today on 1 Corinthians 13. This week, of course, I'm preaching from 1 to 3, verses 1 to 3, and it's called The Authority of Love. Next week, I'll be preaching from 4 to 7, verses 4 to 7, and it is called The Practice of Love. And then the following week, um, I'll be preaching on verses 8 through 13, and it's called The Stability of Love. This is all one of the most famous most beloved, most beautiful chapters in the Bible. It is often read at weddings, 
and often set to music. And yet, I wonder if we have really pondered its deeper meaning. Have we heard it so often that we no longer think about it? Think about what the word really means. I want us to revisit this famous passage and see it, if it gives a, a clearer picture of how, just how important this word is. Here's a simple... <clears throat> so, there are a lot of different ways to use the word love. Today, like the man declared, <laughs> I heard just last week, I love my wife and I love my baby and I love biscuits dipped in gravy. And I smiled at him and walked on and thought, well, okay. So right there, there are three different ways love is expressed in that statement. But what kind of love is Paul talking about in 1 Corinthians 13? There are four Greek words for love, and we need to know about. And, and I'm sure that some of you all know them already. I was not aware of all of them until I attended seminary. Number one is eros. Eros means sexual love. This word is not used in the New Testament. Storge means friendly affection. This word is used in the New Testament for the warm affection that should exist between believers in Christ. Philos, philo means family love. When joined with the word adelphos, brother, it means brotherly love, which is how the city of Philadelphia got its name. It is used in the New Testament for our love for God and for others. The fourth word, and the one I am focusing on today and will focus on for the next three weeks, is called agape, and it means self-sacrificing love. This word was rarely used before the New Testament and uniquely describes God's love for us. Agape love is love that reaches out to another person with no strings attached. It is love that sacrifices itself on behalf of the one loved, with no thought of what might be received in return. This is the word Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 13. It is love that starts with God, comes down to us, and then moves out from us to other people. That is where our authority of love comes from, agape love. One of our problems with 1 Corinthians 13 is that we have heard it so often that it has lost its power to move us. Here, in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3, from the message by Eugene Peterson, says, If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and give, and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't have love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, or what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. The point of this passage can be stated in one simple sentence. Whatever I do, what I say, it is useless without love. There are three verses, and each one explains a different part of this truth. 
So the first verse. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong, gong or a clanging cymbal. Have you tried to learn to speak a foreign language? It's not easy to do. I studied Spanish in high school and French in college, and along the way memorized long, long lists of words in each language. And nearly three decades later, I know au revoir and adios. And that's about it. So basically, basically I speak English and that's it. I greatly admire missionaries who spend years studying a new language so that they can effectively minister for Christ in another culture. God, God bless them for their sacrifice for the care of Christ, for the case of Christ. And yet, and yet, our scripture today says that without love, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many languages you speak or how eloquently you can communicate your message. The greatest linguist in the world is ineffective if he or she speaks without love. The point would have hit home because eloquence was greatly admired in ancient Greece. We have only to think of the great philosophers of Athens who held their listeners spellbound and of Paul himself as he presented the gospel in Acts, but without love, electrifying eloquence means nothing. It's also helpful to know that the pagans' religions of ancient Greece used loud, clanging symbols to get the attention of their gods. So let the point be made clear. If you speak without love, you are no better than the pagans who do not even know the Lord. Verse 2. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. I am nothing. In this verse, Paul mentions three spiritual gifts. Prophecy refers to the ability to declare God's truth in a powerful, life-changing way. Knowledge involves the deep understanding of the Word of God. Faith is the unique ability to trust God for great things. These three gifts are all from the Holy Spirit, and yet without love, the person who has them is nothing. So let me ask you a question. Would you like to be really, really smart? I mean, extra smart, beyond ordinary smartness. I mean, what if you had an IQ of 500? That would be amazing. I mean, would you like to be so smart that you could answer all the questions on who wants to be a millionaire without ever, ever, ever using a lifeline? Let's suppose you really were that smart, and let's also suppose you were the most gifted speaker in the whole world so that whenever you opened your mouth, everyone stopped to listen to your words. And let's suppose that you were brilliant in math, in science, in history, in language arts, all of the realm of human knowledge. And on top of that, what if you had the knowledge to cure cancer so that you could go from patient to patient, roam from hospital to hospital, clearing out the cancer wards? Wouldn't that be wonderful? That would be amazing. And let's suppose that on top of all that, you could bring about world peace so that even in the Middle East, they put down their guns and decided to become friends. Suppose all of that were true of you. According to the scripture, God would say, it's not enough. 
Without love, all the rest doesn't matter. At this point, the words of Matthew Henry are so important when he wrote it 300 years ago. He noted that if it's not great knowledge that God, it is not great knowledge that God sets a value upon, but true and hearty devotion and love. That's what God sets a value on. Verse 3, last verse. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. This verse poses a problem because it asks us to ponder activities that we automatically consider noble. I mean, giving to the poor is a good thing to do. And dying for your faith in Christ is the ultimate sacrifice. But even how good these things are, without love, they do you no good at all. So I'll ask you another question. Would you like to be rich enough to be generous? Wouldn't it be wonderful if you had enough money to give millions of dollars to worthy causes? I mean, here in Tahlequah alone, there are many agencies, Habitat for Humanity, Help in Crisis, CASA, the Day Center, not to mention our very own missions right here in this church, Feed My Sheep, the Children's Program, the Youth Program. Oh, the debt. I mean, oh, and we don't want to forget NSU Wesley. I mean, all these are great. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you had enough money to fund all these worthy organizations? Suppose you had enough money you could wipe out homelessness in the state of Oklahoma. Wow. What if you could guarantee that every person on earth would have enough to eat and no one would ever go hungry? Now that would be a wonderful thing to do. God says it's not enough. If you do not do it with love, you have gained nothing. The truth is, we may give to worthy causes for unworthy reasons. We may give out of guilt, or because we want to follow the crowd, or because we seek the praise of men, or, or of some, for some other earthly goal. If we give for those reasons, the people on the receiving end will be blessed, but it will gain us nothing at all. There are many wonderful men and women going to dangerous parts of the world. Some of them will face uncertainty and possible arrest every day. Some of these missionaries live in places most of us would not even care to visit. Some of them may end up paying the ultimate price for their faith. And still, God says, it's not enough. Without love, even sacrificing yourself for Christ will profit you nothing giving to the poor and offering yourself to be burned at the stake are both noble actions, but they are useless and even dangerous without love. Without love, I say nothing, I am nothing, I gain nothing. To get my point across, consider this illustration. What do you get when you add 10 plus 15? Now we're going to have school in just a few days. What do you get when you add 10 plus 15? 25, thank you. The answer is 25, yes. Now suppose we multiply 10 times 15. The answer is 150, that's right. Let's take a really big number. Suppose you multiply 1 million times 1,000, you end up with 1 billion. What number comes above a billion? The answer is a trillion. What comes above that, I didn't know until I checked it out this week. And, and the answer is um, quintillion. 
which is one followed by 18 zeros. Now that's an in, a quadrillion and then quintillion, which is the 18 zeros. Now that's an enormous, enormous number. So let's multiply 25 quintillion times zero. Zero. Now let's do that the way children would do it. Let's start with the biggest number in the world times the biggest number in the world, whatever that number is, and multiply it by zero. Zero. Doesn't matter what you start with on the left. If the number on the right is zero, is zero, the answer will be zero. God is saying that life without love is zero. You can pile up all the good deeds, all the education, all the spiritual gifts, and all the noble works that you like. Without love, it still equals zero. You can be smart, beautiful, strong, wealthy, educated, multilingual, rich, and famous. But without love, it still equals zero. These are three short verse challenges us to evaluate what we do and what we say in the light of agape love. If we are honest with ourselves, we must eventually admit that we all have a long way to go in this area. During the 17th century, Oliver Cromwell was a Lord Protector of England. He, was sentenced, he sentenced a soldier to be shot for his crimes. He'd committed some crimes and it was time for him to die. The execution was to take place at the ringing of the evening curfew bell. At the appointed hour, the bell did not sound. Upon investigation, it was discovered that the soldier's fiance had climbed into the belfry and clung to the great clapper of the bell to prevent it from striking. When she was summoned by Cromwell to account for her actions, she wept as she showed him her bruised and bleeding hands. Cromwell's heart was touched and he said, your love shall live because of your sacrifice curfew will not ring tonight. Through Christ's sacrifice, the judgment bell will never toll for us. The proof of his love is in his bruised body and his bloody hands. Because of his love, we live. Because of his love, we love. I know, I, I, I know I know where we are and who we are, and we must claim that authority. Now I'll end where I started with the words of Dr. Carl Menninger. Love is the medicine for the sickness of the world. To live in love is to be like Jesus. We may, we, my friends, have the authority to go out and to love. Christ offered it freely to us. What, what are you waiting for? Go out and love today. Amen. Thank you for listening to Tahlequah United Methodist Church's sermon podcast. We hope you have a good week, and we ask that you connect with us online at tahlequahumc.org. Thank you, and have a good day.